You're listening to the Startup Finance Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show entirely focused on helping you to build a financially fit and fundable business. On this show, we connect you with finance aficionados to impart their expertise to help your business grow. The Startup Finance Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe to this Startup Finance Podcast through iTunes and Google Play Music. This podcast is presented in partnership with MasterCard, a technology company in the global payments industry. MasterCard's Global Payments Processing Network connects consumers, financial institutions, merchants, governments in more than 210 countries and territories. MasterCard products and solutions make everyday commerce activities such as shopping, traveling, running a business, and even managing your finances easier, more secure, and more efficient. I am your host, Dr. Sean Wise, Professor of Entrepreneurship at Ryerson University. I bring more than 19 years' experience in seed investing, including five seasons spent supporting CBC's Dragon's Den. I've published dozens of articles for Profit, Inc., and even Canadian Business, as well as several best-selling books on venture capital, entrepreneurship, and pitching ideas. Want to connect with me after this podcast? Join me at 100stepstostartup.com. We're thrilled to be featuring David Nault on today's finance podcast. David is a seasoned venture capitalist and a former principal at Inovia Capital, a VC firm based in Montreal. He advises and has invested in over nine companies, including Chrono Golf, Virage Sale, and BusBud. David has more than 20 years experience in sales, marketing, and partner channel development, and is currently working on a new fintech venture. In today's podcast, we'll be talking to David about his latest venture while learning more about forming relationships with venture capitalists in Canada. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's really my pleasure. At the end of this podcast, what learnings would you want our listeners to walk away with? Yeah, um, I think, you know, after being an entrepreneur in VC for, for a number of years, I think, you know, one of the things that I think entrepreneurs need to understand is that VCs look at hundreds of opportunities and only invest in, in a few. Um, and you know VCs invest in a very specific, in very specific kinds of business ventures. Probably second thing is that it all starts with a relationship. You know who the who the investor is going to be working with over the next five years, and who the entrepreneur is going to be working with is is extremely important. And lastly, great businesses get funding. So I think those three things are the take home that that probably be repeated in the themes of the answers of the questions. Well, without further ado, let's get into it. Tell me about your background and how you got involved working with early stage companies, working with with founders and entrepreneurs. Sure. Um, so I've been a, I've been a venture capital investor for six years, and um, was pretty much entrepreneurial or, or involved in an entrepreneurial business of some sort ever since I was you know a kid that knew how to mow lawns. And um, you know, I've done a number of different ventures, but for the past twenty years, it's been it's been in tech. Um, and I've also always enjoyed working with various entrepreneurs and 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 helping them in one way or another. I guess the the peer to peer entrepreneurship um, always attracted me, and and working with others and trying to share, you know, common learnings and mistakes um, was always a, was always a, a sense of enjoyment for me, and. Um, and so after selling my last company and, and, and moving on 
to to a VC was sort of a, was a natural move. And also as a VC, you spend a lot of time working with companies that you invest in, but also that you don't invest in in order to develop the relationship so that you can work with them later on down the road. Um, and um, so I'd say that's that's how I kind of got involved is by by being a VC, but also by being a fellow entrepreneur uh, working with with different entrepreneurs. Well, a lot of people want to know how to grow up to be a VC. And I think the path that you've described is one they don't really think about. In the U.S., a lot of the venture capitalists were once successful founders. And they often start by joining the firm that founded them that they had a positive exit for. How did you join your VC originally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good um, good question. You know, the I joined Inovia after Inovia had funded one of my companies. And, um, and so there was, there was a, there was a, you know, relationship that was developed while I was an entrepreneur. Um, and, uh, and so ended up joining, uh, joining Inovia. But, um, you know, I think the, the, the path to become a VC is definitely you, you have to be an entrepreneur to be a VC. You have to be an entrepreneur within a VC firm, but you also have to have experience as an entrepreneur. Um, but there are also other paths you can, you can join, you know, out of out of university or out of a consulting firm, and you can join as an analyst, and you can move up move up the ladder. But most people, when they start out early in a VC firm as an analyst or or a junior part of the uh, team member of the investment team, they will uh, they will eventually go out work in a company and then maybe come back as a, as an investor as well, or start a business and then and then come back. And do you think that the the reason why the most successful VCs, people like the Brad Felds, the the Guy Kawasaki's, the Fred Wilsons of the world, they've all started in that route. Do you think that's because the entrepreneurs they eventually mentor and invest in respect them more because they've been there and done that? Or do you think that the experience gives them some other insight? I think it, I think it's both. I think you know first you you have to have the respect of the entrepreneurs in order to to, to work with them long term, and for them to choose you as as an investor. Um, some of the best opportunities the the entrepreneurs have the choice of investors that they want, and so they choose you because the experience that you're going to bring to the table, but also the experience that you have allows you to to evaluate companies and evaluate teams in order to make the decision to invest or not. Oh, I think that's very powerful. Now, one of the things that people often don't realize is that venture capitalists, just like entrepreneurs, have to raise funds. In the case of the venture capitalists, that's the LPs or the private equity or the source of capital. What's been your biggest learning lesson, both as a VC who's had to raise a fund or as an entrepreneur who's had to raise funds for his company? Now that you've seen both sides of the equation, so to speak, what can you take away yeah, um, as an entrepreneur, I think the 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 biggest takeaway is that traction removes a lot of doubt. Traction removes doubt, and by traction, you mean early sales, early halo deals, early strategic investment. All of the above. It's it's really about demonstrating that there's a um, there's a product market fit or indication of a product market fit, um, and that that helps. You know, there's. The cost to start a company has never been lower. So you have a tremendous amount of people that are building startups. And so they're all competing for the same dollars. So the ones that can rise above the noise and demonstrate an MVP, demonstrate a product, users, beta, sales, whatever traction they can they can show really helps to, to, to gain the interest of the of the investors. Now, not all companies will be funded 
when they get traction. Um, but it definitely helps. One of the one of the things that I've learned. The other thing is that, you know, relationship is key in raising money. Whether you're a VC raising funding for your own. Um, you know, venture fund, or whether you're an entrepreneur, it all starts with a relationship. Who the who the who you're going to be working with for the next for the next X amount of years is is super important. You know, we back teams and investors that invest their money in funds back the uh, the partners of the fund. I think a lot of founders are unaware that there is a no asshole rule in venture, meaning if you're going to work with someone for five years, that's going to be tough enough. The market uncertainty, learning to scale, uh, learning to tackle challenges. You can't add personality conflicts to that. And so, I mean, I've been in venture for 19 years and I totally agree with you. It has never been less expensive to launch a venture, which also means you have to come to VCs with traction where before just an idea might matter. But let's focus for a minute on this relationship. Uh, other than not being an asshole, what do you like and look for on both sides of the relationship aisle? So, um, so found, I call founder VC fit. So, and well, that's uh, a great term founder you know, the, VC the, fit. The, 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 can you work together? Is it, are your also, are your strengths going to be able to help them? Are you familiar with the market that they're in and the founder too, depending on the partner that you're going to be working with, do they have, you know, the experience, the connections, the track record that you're looking for to help build your company? That's really, really powerful. Now, venture capital is still that first two to $5 million. The difference I think now is that's that that's series A. And so before that, you would have had your angels or you would have had your friends and family or you would have bootstrapped. I really want to focus on this idea of how traction influences the investor decision, right? Because you're really looking for that product market fit, that proof of concept. You're looking to mitigate management risk, market risk, magic risk. But how does relationship impact traction or how does traction impact relationship? Um, so, you know, the credibility of the entrepreneur when they're, when they're able to, to go out, develop an MVP and get market interest and market interest can be defined as, you know, a partner that says, we're really interested in this. We've evaluated five different solutions. We think this is the best one, even though it's not commercialized, we're willing to take that leap of faith inside of this solution when it's ready. That's that's an interesting indication of product market fit for a company that's raising, for example, seed. And by the way, you know, VCs will invest in Series A, but they'll also invest in seed because that gives them the option afterwards to double down and invest later yeah, on. I, I, I guess I mean to say I, that they're not writing the $50,000 checks that you need to invest. You can't have a billion dollar VC fund writing checks at 50 grand. No, you'll, you'll, you'll typically have more angels um, unless the fund is managing what, what we call a garage fund, which might be a pre-seed. Um, totally understand. And, and, and they, they, they might come in just because they say, you know what, these are incredible founders. These are, this, is an, this is a great emerging market opportunity, and we want to be able to have visibility and access to information. So we're going to, along with an angel, we're going to put in a dollars $100, $150,000 check. However, we want somebody else to help manage it because we need to focus on the companies that are a bit further along. So that relationship... I think is 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 key is key at the beginning to see okay are these the founders that 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 have the ability to get it and um, so I'm not sure if that answers the question but 
The answers are great. Let me move on. Uh, you've already mentioned three things that influence a VC to invest in a company, or at least when you were a VC to invest in a company, being relationship, uh, traction, product market fit. What are the other things founders should know in general that investors are looking for? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I say as as new founders, I think the the uh, maybe a bootstrap company raising money. First, you want to get to know the investment scene um, even before you start thinking about raising money. Familiarity and, and the relationships and with with investors, they need to, they need to, to to you need to get to know each other. You need to, they need to see you at various events. They need to, to to you know start start tracking you. What we call VCs often track companies before they even invest. Um, so tracking so, would be meeting you a year in advance, learning about the business, getting getting warmed up to them. Is that the yeah. way to put it? Um, you know. And Sometimes too, we'll have entrepreneurs that will reach out and say, "Hey, listen, I'm not raising yet, but I just like to, you know, spend 15, 20 minutes with you over a coffee and just, just, just put on your radar what we're doing because we think, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be quite big. And and when we, when we're ready to raise funding, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reach out again. You know, for from a from an from a VC's perspective, that gives you optionality. That gets you visibility into these companies in a quick 15, 20 minute. But it reduces also the pressure that, oh, they're too early. We're, 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 you're not ready for us. But the company's not raising. So that dialogue can happen very informally. And the investor can give them feedback saying, you know what? I've seen this before. Here's how. Here's the problem that they had. You should maybe do some research on that company that didn't quite make it. Or, hey, you should be speaking to this founder because they've got great experience in something which is which is complementary. And uh, so I think getting to know them like that um, is, is, is very, I'd say, I'd say is key ahead of the, t- ahead of, uh, ahead of time. And also understand that you're competing against many, many other opportunities. So choosing the right VC that invests at your stage that might have a portfolio construction. So in other words, they've invested in a pocket of companies which are in your sector or complementary, not necessarily competitive, but they have subject matter experts and they, they understand the market that you're in. I think that's very powerful. Now, one of the things that a lot of founders wonder about is getting that initial meeting. And there's lots of ways to do that. Some people click on the link on your website and say, send in your business plan. Some people do, as you suggest, attend conferences, make more informal links, and then evolve over. One of my favorite techniques is always to go to who you've already invested in. So go look at your portfolio, go look at the CEOs of those portfolios and start that way, because no one knows you better than the people who already have your money. But I wonder in in your experience, what has been the best, which deals that were best, how did they start? Yeah, good, uh, good question. Interesting point is that, you know, the, um, I've, um, I've met entrepreneurs at a, at a cocktail where they gave me their elevator pitch. And in, you know, 20 seconds, I got that aha moment. Or, you know, they clearly explained what they're doing, vision. And for us, that's a that's an important thing. Like, how well can the can the can the uh, can the entrepreneur communicate their story? And that's important and, not just to raise money, but that gives you a proxy for how they're going to sell, how they're going to attract talent. This elevator pitch isn't just for investor elevators; it can be used everywhere. Exactly. If they can't, if they can't, you know, sell us on their on their vision, or they're all over the place, and what I call spilling your candies in the lobby, you come in and you're just, <laughs> just pushing, throwing everything out right, right there. You know, you look at it, and you're like, okay, you know, how's this person going to be going to be in front of future investors? 
customers, mm-hmm. partners, and so on. Um, but back to your point about about how does that first meeting start? You know, you might meet somebody at a, at a, at a at an investor cocktail. They might be getting off the stage of a pitch competition, and you just say, "Hey, I'm such and such." Um, you know, here's what I, here's what I do. 10 seconds, right. And 20 seconds say, I'd love to reach out. Uh, we're not raising money yet, but I'd love to reach out later on and just have a coffee and give you a quick summary of what we're doing. When you send that person back an email and say, Hey, we, we saw each other last week, two weeks ago at this event, I, I told you I was doing recap it. Um, and I'd love to meet with you. We're not raising money yet, but I want you, I want this to get on your radar. Um, that'll probably get a meeting. The other thing is how well that email is written, but the best way to get a meeting is through an introduction, either an introduction from a, a founder that the VC probably respects, a portfolio company, a co-investor, or somebody really that's familiar. The, 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 the introductions that we get, we're, we're always taking those meetings because they're from people that are, that, that filter those opportunities and those entrepreneurs. Those people want long-term relationships with you, so they're not going to send you crap. And therefore, your lawyers, your accountants, those that work with you, your LPs, your partners, your portfolio, they're the best referrals. Now, there is a group of people out there, I'm not a huge fan of them, uh, that want to act as intermediaries. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs are so anxious about fundraising that when someone comes along in a nice suit with a lot of verbiage, they get bought into it. But I want to hear your perspective, because when that happens with us, I don't want to pay commissions and contingency fees to unlicensed intermediaries. But how do those things in your real world impact your investment? Yeah, I, in my whole experience as an investor, never ever paid a commission to anybody. Not not saying that they don't bring value, not saying that they can't help the entrepreneurs, but if the entrepreneur can't sell us and convince us to invest directly and needs somebody else to handhold them, it's, it's a big red flag. That's the first thing. The second thing is that nobody knows the business better than the entrepreneur themselves, and they should be the one explaining the story. We're not looking for an expert in IPO. We're not looking for, we're looking for somebody that really, we think, that they're going to be able to deliver the product, deliver the deliver the, the first sales, and that's really going to be the founder. And then, lastly, you know, there is an opportunity. There is there is a, a, um, a you know use for uh, investment bankers and intermediaries, but that's way down the road. When we're talking pre-IPO, we're talking about a fifty million dollar raise. The entrepreneur's heads down, managing his company of a couple hundred employees, and they decided to hire an investment banker to do the first steps of raising a later a later funding that we see it and totally get it but anything below you know in series a series b you know even usually series c and definitely seed no intermediaries Totally couldn't agree. I want to ask about your new venture, but I want to first off finish this idea of relationships and relationship managing. Now, pitching is the first step. People seem to forget that. That's the sexy one that goes on Shark Tank and Dragon's Den. But the real business comes in the follow-on meetings, in the back and forth, in the due diligence. You know, some firms like to give a term sheet, then do due diligence, then modify the term sheet. Other firms like to do their due diligence up front and then give a term sheet that won't be modified. But either way, it's based on relationships. So from pitching to coaching, what are the best steps to forming great relationships with investors? Um, you know, I'd say the, uh, the, the, the first thing to do is to understand that not every business is fundable at every point in time. So in other words, if you're meeting with, with an investor, you might be too early. They might be 
super busy doing doing another investment they don't have time to fully dig in but you got to look at it as a little you know a, 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 a journey also that that evolves over time and sometimes an investor might not invest in this round but they will invest in the next round and so just because they say no it doesn't mean that not later on you're not going to be able to, to to work with them and so you know the in the in the um you know, say that the entrepreneur should keep them always informed on how things are, how things are going. If they if they if they pitch and they're they present their business and they say, you know, we, we believe that next quarter we're going to hit or next month we're going to hit X amount of sales. We're going to sign this deal. We're going to deliver this this MVP. Whatever it is, their milestones. They should keep the investors updated. We we really like that because then we get to see. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's time for another meeting. Maybe it's time to to to, to speak to them again. Um, so keep them up to date. Continue to develop the relationship. Understand that when they say no, it, you know they're looking at a lot of different opportunities, and there's so many things that need to align. You know, on on the segment, the market timing. You know, what where the 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 fund is in their stage. Um, are they at the beginning? Are they at the end? Do they only have three more investments they can do versus at the beginning where they, they still have, you know, 10, 20 investments they might be making? Um, did they invest in something which failed, which was in the same sector? So understanding all those different elements and understanding what those triggers are, just like a customer, what's going to make them say yes and asking them the questions. Um, and I'll, I'll, one more point too is, is you should be doing research on the investor, just like the investor will be doing the research on you. Um, you know, you should, you should know in meeting them what the background of that ways. partner is or what the background of that person that you're going to be meeting with and what are the backgrounds of the other partners inside of the fund so that you can say, well, you know what, you know, uh, I really like the expertise of, of, of Sean or, or Chris or another one so that I can, you know, then, then reach out potentially to them and get their feedback as well because they've got that experience. So knowing, knowing about, about the BC, you asked about term sheets you know, term sheets, um, you know, I, I very rarely do we modify a term sheet after after issuing it. But due diligence does come, you know, sometimes a little bit more afterwards. We do you know, quite a bit of homework before we decide to issue a term sheet, because when we do issue a term sheet, it's because we're really ready to move forward with the investment. The rest of it is going to be checking off the boxes and making sure that the the founder backgrounds line up. There's no you know criminal and the tech says what it is. It's doing what it's going to do, and so on and so forth. Um, but really, uh, really, the, the the homework for us is is done a lot uh, a lot at the beginning. I've heard it said that investors sort of take investment on a two stage process. First, do I want to be an investor in this company? Is this a founder that I want to back? Is this someone I want to work with for five years every day? And if yes, then and only then do you get to the second, which is at what price does this make sense? How does this work compared to my other portfolio companies or other opportunities? Do you agree with that? Do you think it's, it's, it's a staged process or is it sort of binary, all or nothing? Um, valuation is definitely a, a key part. First and foremost is, is this, is this the founder we want to work with? Is this a segment, um, or opportunity that we believe in, um, longer term and is market timing and, you know, are there, are there, is there a potential exit for this company eventually down the road? And, you know, what, what are we building here? So definitely, you know, you, you look at all those, those other elements and then the art of structuring the deal. So, you know, I would I would caution entrepreneurs in in choosing a VC for valuation. Definitely, you want to choose a VC for the for the for the help that they can bring you, mm-hmm. um, and the terms should be should be reasonable. 
right? If you're building a, if you're building a big company, it's not, it's not, you know, one valuation versus another one. If they're fairly similar, it's going to make a big difference. But I caution entrepreneurs in choosing too high of a valuation that they may not grow into. And there are investors out there that will throw a term sheet with a higher valuation just to win the deal. But the reality is that it might not be setting up the entrepreneur for success. And to explain, it's that, you know, the next round of funding you want to be able to raise at a certain multiple and so to avoid dilution and so on. But in order to do that, you need to be hitting certain milestones and certain growth metrics. And if the company has a little bump in the road and doesn't hit those and doesn't hit that growth metrics, things start to very quickly fall apart. Investors aren't happy. Team members are not happy. Dilution happens. It's harder to raise money. And all that because they accepted too high of a valuation beforehand. So that's just a word of caution there. Yeah. I think it sets you up for failure because you're setting up to meet an expectation that you can't meet. And then you have a down round and you can rest assured that most investors have themselves protected against that, but the entrepreneur gets hit twice, but let's, let's move away from the venture capital world. Let's go from the dark side to the light side of the (laughs) entrepreneurial force, if you will. Uh, You have a new venture, your latest venture. I have to ask, how does it feel to go back to the light side of the force, to move away from the VC side and back into the founder side? Yeah, so this, um, this you know, by the way, I, I did this in partnership with, with Inovia. Um, a, lot of, a lot of respect for the team there, a lot of value that fund brings. And mm-hmm. they, worked, they worked with me in, in, in my next phase of growth of what, what I was looking to do and, and accomplish at this stage. And so all I can say is that it's, um, it's, it's, it's fintech related and fintech AI. So um, how AI applies to financial institutions and the fintech opportunity with everything to do with, with cryptocurrency and, 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 um, and blockchain process automation, uh, security lending. Um, and there's a lot of opportunities in fintech. So I'm starting something in, in fintech and fintech AI related, and I've already got a lot of traction and interest from large banks and insurance companies. So validated the opportunity there. And, and because I haven't announced it, I won't go further, uh, further than that, but uh, hopefully it'll be announced uh, in, uh, in not too long. You won't even tell us the name, but I was hoping you'd tell us the elevator pitch. But if you're keeping it a secret, I will have to respect that. What made you decide to switch sides again, even though it's not really a side issue? What made you decide? Because most great VCs want to be an entrepreneur. They want to get back into the doing. But what motivated you? Um, you know, the challenge of the challenge of, of building something uh, at, the, at the next level. It's leveraging the know-how that I've, that I've done. And it's it's taking that jump as well, right? Of just saying, okay, you know what? We got to do the, uh, the stop getting comfortable. Let's move on to the next thing. Let's challenge challenge ourselves. So I think it was just the um, it was the, the 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 challenge out there to just uh, just do more and do bigger and do better and 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 enjoy myself along the way. So can you tell me how your perspective has changed as a result of being an investor over the time that you were with Inovia, you funded a variety of companies. How does that impact your life as an entrepreneur now? Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely learned a lot by looking at, um, you know, almost a thousand, probably a thousand plus uh, opportunities. I've seen a lot of different, different companies that have, that have succeeded and some that have, that have not some that we've invested in some that we, that we haven't. And I guess I've, I've, I've been sort of in an acceleration mode 
of learning many different kinds of businesses. When you're in one, you're seeing a certain management style, you're seeing a certain team market opportunities. So I guess I've really widened my scope to understand. Um, I've also sort of understand the whole, you know, definitely the process of, of raising money more from an entrepreneur's perspective, um, how, you know, things need to align with, with people, with market timing, with relationships, with, with fund. Um, and definitely, uh, you know, got to know a lot of fantastic people along the way that, um, that hopefully I'm going to continue to work with. Well, we've really enjoyed working with you today. We're going to start wrapping up, but do you have any final tips or takeaways for our listeners today on working with a venture capitalist, working with seed funders, working with angel investors? I'd say, um, you know, a VC won't guarantee your success, but they can really hurt hurt your chances of success if you choose the wrong one. Uh, founder VC fit is key. Um, and, you know, it all starts with a relationship. And, you know, you might not close that, that funding on the first meeting, but think of it as, an, as, an, as, a, as a relationship that's building and use them for feedback. Um, and to help you along the way, even before they invest, you'd be surprised. Investors, uh, you know, will probably connect you up with somebody or give you feedback uh, on your on your business. Well, you know what? Something I'm not surprised about is how enjoyable it has been speaking to you. Thanks so much, David. Appreciate your time this morning. My pleasure, Doctor Wise. Thank you very much for uh, for having me. It's been uh, it's been a good time. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Finance Podcast, a show dedicated to providing entrepreneurs with advice and experiences on startup finance. Want to access more resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca to gain access to support, resources, and events. And be sure while you're there to check out all the other original Startup Canada podcast series on the Startup Canada Podcast Network.